wait for it, wait for it, I think we're live, it says we're live, hooray, we are live, welcome to uh, Drink to the Past, yeah, we'll get the, Let's Drink start. to the Past, the final Drink to the Past of this year, yeah, which, oddly, time that was the first thing anybody will hear on the audio version of the podcast since i just started recording that uh so that's pretty funny uh so if you're just joining us then hooray uh thank you for joining us i will have my ubiquitous opening monologue in just a moment i'm trying to everybody that we're live through ye old internets and facebook is being slow all right there we go now I can go back to the ubiquitous opening monologue, which I feel like since I've already screwed up, I have to drink, right? That's that's a rule. Mm. That That's always been the rule. That's not what I expected. Huh. <laughs> this is a... That's a, that's a weird beer. <laughs> it's, it's different. I, I, I'm not... That's not bad, though. Um, so anyways, hello internet, my name is Sean Michael Patrick Thompson, as always our host of Drink to the Past, the only podcast where Chris lives. That's right, Chris's actual home is inside the internet on this podcast. I mean, that's been figuratively true for a long time, but it's only been literally true for the past couple of moments. Alright, and uh, we have a little piece of news and booze that we're gonna skip to. Uh, before we do anything else, which is that it is today, in fact, the 33rd anniversary of this game that you're watching or hearing the music for, if you're on the audio version. So uh, we're doing a little Final Fantasy stream. The original yep. classic is 33 years old today, so I think that was pretty cool. So happy birthday, Final Fantasy. Uh, and you may want to... Uh sync up the audio version with the YouTube version, because we're having a few technical issues on our end. We are? I, uh, Stop I believe it. so. Oh. Yeah. What technical issues? Uh, the technical issues being we don't have sound coming from that game. Oh, I do. At least on my end. You do, yeah. but I don't. And it So it should come in the stream, because the stream should be taking my uh, capture directly. And I'm getting audio from the capture, so theoretically you should. If if you're not, yeah. It's not coming up in the stream. Okay. Oh, are are you on the YouTube version? I I am watching the YouTube version right now. Okay. I'm not hearing it on the stream. Well, I know my audio recorder does record all of the uh, stuff. Oh, uh, Tom Thurman in the comments says uh, he has sound from the game, so I I guess that works. So, anyways, I'm gonna I'm gonna get started well, I'm, here. I'm just special with, then. Uh, yeah, continue. I started a game. Oh yeah. Oh shit. I am four white mages. <laughs> oh, you're four white. Ma- you're a whole four white mages. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is also one of the convenient games that I can stream okay with a like terrible input lag that I have. Odd Carl, Phil, and Pops are apparently my white mage names. <laughs> I'm an amazing human being. Uh, those, those are definitely white mage names. <laughs> yeah. Why Why is Phil spelled like F-I-L-L? Why aren't you spelled like that, huh? Why aren't right. I... It doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> You'd like so you to think that, wouldn't scene you? right now. Do I? All right, well, let's get into <laughs> our uh, other parts of the podcast. Uh, today's Sean Drinks Something Stupid is a peppermint martini, which is in my... 
cool Great American Beer Fest glass. Um, I've got actually a lot of these. This one's from 2013. So, seven-year-old beer glass, and it's drinking a martini, because I don't have any martini glasses. Because I'm a beer dude. Tastes like sugar and... Sugar. It's another one of those very sugary mixed drinks. It's, it's another one of these little cocktail mixers. Dump it in, add a shot of something, and it turns into a cocktail. And it, it pretty much just all tastes like simple syrup and vodka. It, I, I'm not getting any peppermint at all. I guess sugar and alcohol is a mix, technically. Technically. <laughs> simple syrup and vodka is probably a drink. I bet there's a drink called that. Uh... Tom Thurman says he just uh, took a drink to fill with an F, so we will we will drink to that. I'll drink to that. Yeah, awesome. All right, so I killed one of the imps. Hooray! I'm amazing. It is a little difficult with this input lag. Like, actually, I'm trying to select the target and it's not moving. Terminated. Also, this is before it would auto-redirect damage to another target if your target died, so yeah. that could be awkward. Yeah. Oh, well. A feature that was in every subsequent game. Yes. Was it in, in Final Fantasy 2 in the original? I believe it was. Okay, I haven't I played the was. original Final Fantasy 2 in a long time, because that didn't come to America, so I was a dirty pirate in the, you know, early days, and, uh... And, and that's what happened. Anyways, let's get into the news and booze here. Uh, do you want to read through this while I fight these imps? Or at least sure. start at the first topic? And because I didn't pre-read through most of these, uh, some of this will be a surprise to me. Suffering backlash from upset fans playing Cyberpunk 2077 on PS4 and Xbox One, CD Projekt Red offers apology and a refund for anyone who bought those versions. Sony refused to give refunds at first, but now have now delisted the game and are reportedly accepting refunds, no questions asked. Yeah, so this is an interesting uh, turn of events here. Because um, I, I, I didn't think it was going to be that bad, because so, you were saying that it... Uh, uh, it would... You're generally having a good time with it, aren't you? Uh, I'm less of a fan of the game, but I didn't have that much in the way of technical issues outside right. of a few uh, hang-ups here and there. Yeah, but you've got a decent crunches. gaming PC, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, part of the issue there is that uh, apparently all of their review codes that they sent out were only for PC... And they wouldn't let anybody, like, they embargoed everybody that had, or, or I don't even know if they gave anybody a PS4 or anything. Because they didn't even give review codes for, like, the next-gen PS5 and uh, Xbox Series X consoles. They didn't oh. give anything for that. So all of the reviews for it are for the PC version exclusively. And if you're reviewing a PC game, I guess you probably have a pretty good machine, right? So you're not going to obviously run into as many of these issues. So it's a little bit shady uh, how they ended up working that. Um, and yeah, this is just kind of an awkward-ass story. Uh, a lot of shady Surprise. shit happening in CD Projekt Red, I guess. Well, I mean, that's there were red flags that came up before the game was released. It's just more of that stuff is coming to light now, it seems. Yeah. And people are not not pleased. So that's that's uh, 
It's kind of lousy, too, because, like, it was kind of billed as a PS4 game, and in their apology statement, it was kind of weird how they stated it. They said, we are sorry that you're experiencing so many issues on the last-gen versions of our game, and, like, I feel like PS4 and Xbox One are still the current gen, right? I'm to issue an embargo on PS4 and Xbox One versions of this game uh, speaks of maliciousness. Yeah. It's, uh, it's uh, totally unacceptable. Yeah. So I am glad at least that people are getting refunds and shit, but it's like why couldn't you have just like... It's, it's funny too because like so many people are bitching about Halo being delayed a year and so many people are bitching about this should have been delayed a year and I'm like, well, which one do you want? You can't bitch about both. I mean, that's not going to stop people from bitching about both, but, you know. That's um, very much true. Yeah. Uh, shall I move on to the next piece here? Yeah, I suppose the next piece is <laughs> also related. The Cyberpunk 2077 related. So, according to PC Gamer, roughly 8 million pre-orders made Cyberpunk 2077, the biggest game launch in PC history. Holy shit. Yeah. And the game reached 1 million concurrent stream players its first day. Also a record. This reportedly made back a profit after 8 years of development costs, plus all advertising costs. Yeah, so... so uh, Single the day, they, yeah. Single day, they turned a profit, so that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. But uh, at the same time, it's like at what cost, <laughs> you know? So it's it's a weird thing to look at. That like, okay, they made up all of their money in one day. So if they theoretically pushed it back even further, they would have probably still been okay, right? Yeah. Uh... Well, it's a question of what were their reasons for delaying the game versus not delaying it. Yeah. And in this case, we find out it probably should have been delayed even more. Mm-hmm. At least the console versions. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I've also heard tale that uh, there was a stream-friendly feature that was supposed to block copy... Uh, copyrighted music from playing i thought you uh, were gonna say it was music. gonna block the cox because because that's an issue with streaming this game is yeah that... cause, uh, you'll you'll see a lot of penis playing this game <laughs> if you're playing a character with a penis yeah and probably Just, lots of boobies the other way yeah and lots of lots of titties the other way the only way mm-hmm. you don't see uh penis and titties is to you know uh mm-hmm. turn off nipples and turn off dicks can you do that which you you can make a character that doesn't have a dick and doesn't have nipples. Okay. So, hmm. you know, that, I guess. I guess that's the that's our streaming advice for today, is make your guy have no nipples if you want to yeah, but, not get screwed. <laughs> this game has a well-known glitch where uh, the dick... Tom says if Phil dies, he's gonna riot, so... <laughs> I've decided that anytime any of my white mages dies, I have to drink. I'm pretty sure that's just a given though right you just have to fire both of your m16s up in the mm-hmm. air you have right. those right two of yeah, them yeah that's that's one of the classic final fantasy items man m16 yeah. all the way that's what i thought that's how you kill chaos he's super weak to gun damage i believe so Ooh, uh, i just the spoiled o- the final boss of a 33 year old game am i a dick well, if you don't i mean the game is 
not only old enough to drink, he's old enough to be suffering male pattern baldness. <laughs> uh, from the official Twitter for SNK, <laughs> a brand new console is coming from SNK in 2021. Cool. Yeah, a what? system to bridge the needs between passionate fans and console gaming enthusiasts. So, uh, what was the last thing that SNK came out with? The Neo Geo? I think so. I'm not sure. So, as far as I know, it was. I maybe it's gonna be like there's some speculation it's gonna be like a a Neo Geo Mini or something. I love this line here, by the way. I Garland will knock you all down. What a taunt! What a taunt, Garland. I'm gonna kick your ass. Maybe I might die here. If I die, then I will drink some more. All right, magic. Oh, shit. Yeah, you just can't let Phil die. Yep, it's okay. You gotta understand. I'm gonna heal Pops here. Let's see. Maybe I should have healed Pops before I got in. Yeah. I wonder what other magic I have on my guys. It's hard to get the magic button with this lag. Oh, he's got nothing. Carl, you have no magic. You fool. Alright. Does Phil have any magic? Drink, not drink. Magic, damn it. Okay, fog? Okay, sure, I'll use fog. Yeah, use that on Todd, because he's the one that can... Okay. Uh, and what do you have, Pops? Cure. Okay, so he's got cure too. Okay, so let's wait a sec. Let's just get some damage out there. Fog. All right, armor up. Bitchin'. That's awesome. Fog adds armor. So yeah, uh, I'm. I really have no idea what. Holy shit! Seventeen damage, Pops you bastard. Died. Pops died. Pops I have is to drink. Fucking dead. Poor Pops. Effective. Oh, you tried to heal Pops. Damn it. And this is an old game, so I'm sure it took my spell slot. Yeah, it and, did. And, it just oh, said it was shit. ineffective. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Nintendo Magic. Switch is the best-selling console yeah, in the game. U.S. for the 24th consecutive month. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool, too. Uh, so even Very with impressive. the launch of two brand-new consoles, not, neither of them has managed to overtake Switch. Although, you know, it's, there's something to be said about stock issues and all that, because obviously if they could sell more than they have been, they would have been. But, uh, you know, stock at the beginning of the uh, cycle of, you know, development and stuff. Uh, production is the word I was looking for there. So, um, uh, All the video game consoles, which is certainly one of them. Yes. Yes, indeed it is. I, I'm actually a big fan of Switch still. Yeah, so. I like me a Switch. All right. Well, if Phil dies, we'll have a rioting fan. So I better, better hit my <laughs> armor up on Phil. All right. Go, guys. Kick his ass. Todd uses cure. All right. Todd's not gonna die yet. Possibly. Yeah. Um. So yeah. What do you think about that? You think Switch is gonna continue on track for a while? Be the continue being as successful as it is? Uh, I really hope so. Yeah, I think at the very least it'll keep, uh, you know, sales up there. Because it does have the advantage of having also two different versions of it uh, with the Switch and the Switch Lite. And allegedly there's all these rumors. I don't know if we want to report on any of those. So I never take any of them seriously when I find them. But uh, there's tons and tons of rumors all about, you know, uh, Carl died. Poor Carl. Um but about the Switch Pro or Switch 2 or whatever they're going to call it next year. So I think that might be kind of interesting if that, like, adds into the sales going forward. I'm probably... 
TPK here. Two that damage. one surprised me. Good job. 18 damage. Ooh, owie. Yeah, one more hit, and he's gonna die. Missed. I am not doing well. I better go, I mean, like, fucking grind some levels. To a fight. Right? I wasn't sure how much grinding I did on my last time I was playing, but apparently it was not enough. Look, if Phil solos this, then everybody in the audience has to drink. He just... Whoa! Phil just fucking Whiff. dodged. Yeah, fuck you, Garland. 12 damage. Oh, God. Phil is a powerhouse. 11 damage. He's still up. Fuck yes. <laughs> Boom. Kill Garland. Only 2 damage. Come on. All right. Come on, you can do it. Go, do it, Phil. Do it, Take Phil. His ass, Phil. 3 damage. 3 damage. Is that enough? It's not enough. Phil. Oh, I'm Phil dead. Phil died. All my guys are dead. I have to drink again. You gotta drink. Todd party perished. I'm so sorry, Tom. <laughs> uh, let's see. Alright, well, I'm just gonna grind in these woods probably the rest of the night. <laughs> A new version of the Funimation anime uh, streaming app has launched on Switch, coming later to PS5 and Xbox Series SX. Yeah, this is something I'm actually super excited about, because uh, I downloaded the app, and the app that they have for literally everything else sucks. They don't have any good apps. I like Funimation as a service because they have really good content. Because obviously, you know, you're looking at Dragon Ball Z and My Hero and One Piece and this and that. There's tons and tons of awesome anime content. You know, basically whatever kind of content, whatever kind of anime you're into, there's something there for you. They have tons of it, especially since as now they just okay. acquired Country uh, country Roll. Crunchy Roll. So they're going to have even more. But Oh, they acquired Crunchy Roll. That's news to me. Did, yes, so it's not exactly clear what's going to come of that, but something is, I suppose. So that'll be cool when that, you know, if they just get all the Crunchyroll anime and all the Funimation anime in one place, that'll be cool. But, um, yeah, I, I downloaded the app and watched several episodes of One Piece. It's got, like, no... It's, it loads into the episodes faster, the interface works faster, it's very minimalistic, it's just kind of like, here's your icons, pick what you want to watch. And I'm like, that actually works for a streaming app, I don't want all this fancy flashy shit like on Netflix where it's like, ooh, mouse over this and you get a trailer, and I'm like, I just want to pick my show. I mean, to be fair, whoever designed the current iteration of Netflix's webpage and apps where it auto-plays everything... Uh, needs to hide in a dumpster. Yeah. Due to the suffering they've caused. I'm not a great fan. Seriously, who designed that shit? It's it's just kind of annoying. <laughs> I'm like, it's terrible. Because like when I'm trying to read something and suddenly it comes up with like a a trailer, I'm like, I don't want to watch a trailer, right? I'm trying to read this or, or trying to just scroll past it and it takes extra time to load the trailer that I don't want to watch because I'm, you know, watching something else. Yeah, when so. I'm scrolling through, I immediately want my ear holes blasted with whatever inane shit I happen to be scrolling past. Yeah, that's what you want all the time. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the, uh, Funimation app now is, is really good on Switch, and I'm excited to see it, uh, come to other consoles, because especially, like, the worst one is the PS4 app, oddly, 
The PS4 app for Funimation is absolute trash. It is so bad. It's like buffering every episode several times an episode for as far as I can tell, no reason. The resolution will randomly dip for a minute or two at a time. It's just like, why is it so bad? I, I don't even understand why it's so bad, but it is. So, hey, my guys are leveling up. Oh, well, that's good. Maybe you'll be able to fight Garland after a few more of those. <laughs> Maybe. Twitter fights erupt that Jonesy is more iconic than Sephiroth. Yeah. Fuck you, Jonesy. <laughs> Do you even know who Jonesy is? Is any uh, that character from, uh, what's the name of the show? Letterkenny? <laughs> <laughs> is that the Jonesy I'm thinking of? Nope, that, whoever that is might be Jonesy, but um, in this case, it's uh, the quote-unquote main character of Fortnite. What? So, <laughs> yeah, this is why I think these fights are so stupid, because I'm seeing them all over the place, and, like, it's, a, I think, a certain demographic of loud Fortnite fans is trying to start these, because basically there was some speculation among a certain... Uh, part of the Smash community when it, but right before the uh, reveal for Sephiroth, that um, they were going to that it, there was there was some speculation that Jonesy might be the next character uh, for whatever reason, and then when it was revealed to be Sephiroth, I guess a lot of them are like, yeah, well Fortnite is way bigger than Final Fantasy VII. Uh, which, monetarily speaking, is true. More people have played Fortnite than Final Fantasy VII, but at the same time, like, the people that I know that have played Fortnite, a lot of them didn't even know Jonesy's name. I don't even know what Jonesy looks like, personally, because, like, you don't get him automatically in Fortnite. You don't get anybody automatically. When you start Fortnite, if you don't buy a skin you get a random skin every time you play. So, it's not even like the Minecraft Steve thing where it's like the default player character skin. Yeah, no, he's not even a default player skin. I guess in the story mode he's got some part, and maybe you get him as the default in the story mode, but from what it sounds like, the story mode also has nothing to do with a story and, and the characters. And You know what? All of them are non-characters, right? They're just guys that are shooting stuff so it's like even if you could argue that fortnite is bigger than final fantasy i do not think you can argue that jonesy is bigger than sephiroth that's true uh, you know i would say that the jonesy from letter kenny is probably more iconic in that i've heard of him <laughs> right yeah you'd never see his face yeah, and funny. he always I keep insults asking people like who's more iconic jonesy or sephiroth and and people are like like, you're the first person that even gave me an answer other than, who's Jonesy? <laughs> uh, Sephiroth, at least in our demographic, which admittedly, we're no longer kids. <laughs> yeah. I guess to a certain audience, Jonesy might be, but I feel like on the large scale, uh, Jonesy is Sephiroth. nowhere near Sephiroth level of icon, right? Yeah. Because, like, I asked my wife, and she didn't recognize Jonesy by name, 
Uh, but she obviously did recognize Sephiroth, and she has never played any Final Fantasy game, and in fact hates all turn-based games, and refuses to play most turn-based games just on the fact that they're turn-based. So depending on the demographic you're in, <laughs> it's still probably Sephiroth. <laughs> yeah. Sephiroth releases December 22nd, but you can play him now if you clear a special Sephiroth boss fight in the game. Yeah, so Tifa that's... Barrett. Uh, that's pretty oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, I was going to go ahead and uh, mention that uh, on our YouTube channel also, we have a new tutorial video that I posted this morning of how to defeat Sephiroth in that challenge, which, uh, I mean, if you got a good main and you're a good Smash player, you probably won't have any problem, but uh, on that very hard difficulty, it's it's a little tricky. So I posted a tutorial video, uh, and it's, it's pretty much just... Uh, Straight up, I I picked a character, and I have a hilarious, cheesy strategy. So even if you've already beat it and unlocked Sephiroth, go ahead and give our video a, a watch. Uh, I think you'll get a kick out of it. It's it's a fun time. I had I had fun putting that together with a... It's a stupid bullshit strategy I came up with. I'm going to have to watch that later, because I uh, might need that help. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, Tifa, Barrett, Aerith, and Geno... Geno? Geno. Me costume... Gino. Yeah, Gino is um, one of the characters from Super Mario RPG. Oh, yeah. I guess people had been begging for that. They kind of wanted that forever. Yeah, he was a mean fighter costume in the in Smash Wii. Four, I think. Yeah, for Wii U. Um, and he's he's kind of a fan favorite. A lot of people really want him just as a character in Smash as well. Uh, including, I think, Masahiro Sakurai, the creator of Smash Brothers, actually said at some point that uh, he would like to have him as a full playable character, but just unfortunately, I think he's a little too niche to really break the mold right now. You know, it's not... You, like you know, the, At the moment, the, it's about adding icons of gaming, right? You're getting yeah. Terry Bogard, you're getting fucking Sephiroth, you're getting Banjo and Kazooie, right? These are like the icons of gaming. Even... Uh, Joker from Persona is one of the icons of modern gaming, you know. Persona what 5 I've... basically brought the Persona series into the, you know, any person in the West is it is now aware of it, right? It's 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 so popular now where, you know, like last year you'd ask somebody what's your favorite Persona game, they'd be like, "What's a Persona game?" <laughs> Which is funny, because the Persona game I remember best is Persona 3, which was the game where you shot yourself in the head to summon demons. Hmm. Neat. Uh, and that was, like, the mechanic. That came out on Steam the other day, and now suddenly I'm like, do I need to go buy that on Steam? Ooh, I should go pick that up on Steam. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'm sure, sure all 40 of the people who are clamoring for get the Geno edition are going <laughs> to be really happy. Yeah. I'm yeah, sure you're going to get roasted bomb. for not even saying Gino properly. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm being a major dick about this. <laughs> right. Uh, so, yeah, they're coming out the same day as Sephiroth. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see. There is a new D&D &D movie in the works, and it's going to be starring Chris Pine. 
yeah, that's pretty much all the info we have on it right now. I think this is potentially interesting, but, you know, what kind of a D&D movie is this? Is this people playing D&D? Is this like the old D&D movies where it's like they basically played a campaign and then turned it into a script based on how the events happened in their campaign or, or you know, some... Did, are they going to go on a magical roller coaster like the 90s cartoon? 80s did cartoon? Did you ever watch the 2000 Dungeons & Dragons movie? Maybe. I watched... Was it just called Dungeons & Dragons? It was or, just or called it... Dungeons & Dragons and it okay. was terrible. I feel like I watched a Dungeons and Dragons movie around that generation on Sci-Fi Channel as a rerun or something in the mid-2000s sometime. It, it had, was... like, Jeremy Irons in it. And, uh... I don't it remember. Didn't, it didn't follow D&D at all. This what? one was kind of close to D&D style, the one that I remember, because, like, the wizard was, like, bitching about using all of his spell slots at the end of the day, and he couldn't use any magic anymore, and then everybody was just like, why are you even here? And there was a chick barbarian that just, like, kicked everybody's ass. So that sounds like a, uh, that sounds like something significantly better than whatever I watched. <laughs> Which was, uh, I, I guess uh, there was, like, there was like an annoying character in the movie and mm. then she died and I said no one can bring the dead back to life and I was like this is a D&D movie lots <laughs> of people can bring the dead back to life right that's that's commonplace here isn't it yeah it, no it was uh, it was bad mm-hmm. so hopefully this movie is better than that movie because that's the D&D movie I actually watched <laughs> nice uh now we're into, you say, Indie World stuff. Uh, Spelunky and Spelunky 2 are coming summer 2021 to uh, what system? Uh, to Nintendo Switch. This is all from the Nintendo Indie World Showcase. These are the uh, ah, coming announcements here. So, yeah, because uh, Spelunky, I believe Spelunky 2 came out on PC earlier this year, didn't it? Uh, yeah, Spelunky 2 came out in late September, I want to say, and I have... I've seen some streamers playing it, and I've had friends play it, and I've been kind of avoiding playing it, play it, uh, playing it myself because I still haven't beat Splunky One because mm-hmm. both Splunkies are crazy difficult, and apparently Splunky Two is even harder than Splunky One. Uh huh. But uh, yeah, very well designed games, very awesome. Uh, Derek, you is an interesting person. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see this, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Fisty Fluffs, early 2021, a cat fighting game. What, what the fuck even is this, Sean? It's, it's literally cats fighting. It, it's, is it's, it? it's like fight crab, but with cats. It looks kind of weird and like, maybe interesting. I feel like it would be fun as a party game for 10 minutes and then you'd forget it and play Smash Brothers. So, mostly a curiosity, and then it gets thrown away for something else? Yeah, pretty much. That's not... Uh, hopefully, hopefully it's got something more to it. Yeah. That's what I would say. It, it'll probably find its audience. It's it's a weird kind of absurdist thing that I feel like... You know, I feel like the people that really loved Untitled Goose Game will probably get a kick out of this. But, um... Oh, that's still a I'm game I... I'm kind of like, yeah, it looks fine. 
I don't know, not my thing exactly. Yeah. I've played Untitled Goose Game briefly now, and I'm just like, it's fine. It's a weird, funny puzzle thing, but I don't know. I don't get the attraction exactly of being a goose and annoying people. Uh, it applies to a certain subset of people, which I might be a part of, but... Okay. If you're not in that certain subset, I can um, at, I can understand why someone would look at it and be like, what's the appeal here? Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, very, very valet. Uh, coming out early 2021, a physics-based car parking puzzle game. Yeah, this uh, looks kind of like Good Job or... Um, uh, somebody was referring to it as, like, overcooked, but for parking a car. Oh, I would love... I. That makes it sound... So it's got co-op in it? I don't know if it has co-op in it. Um, I think it does, yeah. But, uh, like, you have to get, like, the car into the right space and stuff, and you, you're not supposed to bump into as much stuff as you can, but it's got this weird car physics system. So it, it, it looks kind of fun. I'm not sure I'll be totally sold on it. It doesn't look quite as wacky as, like, Good Job, um, but... It looks neat. Okay. Uh, Tunch. Hand-drawn uh, it's pronounced Tunche. Uh, Tunche? Yeah. Uh, so this is I... actually kind of cool. They actually had a little spot from the Brazilian, I think Brazilian, maybe Chilean, some, somewhere in South America was where the developers were from. Uh, and it's got this whole kind of uh, jungle vibe in some of the trailer parts of like uh, this kind of South American culture seems to really kind of come through in it in a way that doesn't really it, that's not a particular kind of culture that i feel comes out in video games very much uh from you know that so it it and it looks really cool the art style is very well done um i'm overall just like uh impressed with the of this game i think it looks really really cool and, and if the you're into that kind of a beat em up, more beat em ups. Yeah, I was gonna say if you're into that kind of beat em up, then you know they don't come along all that much, right? Yeah, uh, um, beat em ups are like they almost feel like they're a love letter to a bygone era, mm -hmm. except for I could play beat em ups all day. If there's if you introduce a new beat em up, I'm probably gonna enjoy that beat em up. Mm -hmm. Uh. Cyber Shadow coming out January twenty sixth. Yacht Club's Cyberpunk Ninja Gaiden. Can you shovel knight amiibos on it? Yeah, and it's also coming to Game Pass Day One. So uh, I didn't know Yacht Club was making another game. Uh, yeah. So it's uh, it it looks very Ninja Gaiden inspired, but in this kind of cyberpunk setting. So it it actually looks really cool. Um, I'm excited to check this out. Uh, because it comes early January. I don't remember if I put in the notes there when it comes out, but uh, I think it's early January that it comes out, and it's coming to Game Pass Day 1 is an unrelated note that I happened to notice, which is, is kind of a talking point that I kind of wanted to bring up also, because this happened to, um, what was that game, uh, Spiritfarer, where I was like looking at it in the Nintendo Direct, and I was like, that looks kind of neat, uh, but I'm not sure I want to buy it, you know, right away. I don't know that much about it. It looks, like, interesting, but not exactly the kind of game that I usually play. So, do I want to, you know, risk my 20 bucks or whatever? But then, it came out on Game Pass also, so I'm like, okay, I'm not really risking anything by just checking it out on Game Pass. 
Uh, but at the same time, I wonder if that is really as economical for the developers. And I'm like, I kind of want to support these indie developers, and I don't know that playing their games on Game Pass is going to do as much for them as actually, like, buying their games. I'm almost certain it won't. And I've heard nothing but good things about Spiritfarer. Granted, I haven't heard too much, but all the things I have heard about it have been good. I was pretty much Uh, right in my assessment that I was like, this looks neat. It's very interesting, very unique style of game, but it's kind of some of the side content feels like uh, almost necessary, but also kind of like busy work to me. Uh, So if... And, and a lot of people get a certain kind of a zen from it, kind of like just it's very get into much the, that sort of a, a you know they get into a, a a method of every time you're back on the ship you do your gardening and your baking and this and that and it's neat it's I think the mechanics are well implemented but it's those particular mechanics are just what kind of like for me was just like eh I'm I'm not that worried about it anymore. Well, neither of us are like Animal Crossing fans either, and uh, true. Which is kind of what you make that sound like more. But then again, I play. I'm at least somewhat of a Minecraft fan, so. Yeah, I like Minecraft pretty well. Uh, Calico, Cat Cafe Simulator, today. Oh yeah, it uh, released as a shadow drop, is what that meant. Um. I, I wrote later today at the time that it, uh, yeah, and, uh... So we might have to drink because your notes are... Yeah, I'll, I'll drink I'm going reading through your notes <laughs> and reading things out loud that I shouldn't. Yep. All right, well, I'm done with my peppermint martini. Maybe tasting Alba. a tiny bit of peppermint in there. I'm, I'm now going to give that a, um, oh, three. It tastes like sugar water. Um, what beer are you drinking, by the way, Chris? Uh, I am drinking the same beer I've been drinking these past few times, the, uh, Left Hand Brewing Company Peanut Butter Milk Stout, which I think I'm going to say is now my favorite beer. All right. Awesome. You gonna up that 16 to a 17, then? Uh, I'll, I'll leave it at 16, because I'm like, no, I'll up it to 17, because you're already removing the perfect score, which is the 18. Yeah, right? From our... Which I think I've had one beer that I gave an 18 once, right? So it's like, yeah, it's it's a little little loosey-goosey if we need to be. So fantabulous. So good. Uh, Alba, clean up beaches or something? Yeah, I didn't know what the fuck was going on in this trailer. It's like, okay, something about save the environment. I I don't don't got anything to say about this one. (laughs) All right. Uh, nausea or no, nausea it's not nausea as in like you're in, sick it's 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 got a g in front of it it's like yeah. pronounced like gnostic nausea among us yeah they they said gnosia uh Gnose- in the oh my god yeah which is is weird gnosia apparently this is us. a big has a big cult following in japan i guess and not to be confused with among us gnosia among us 
Yeah. Which is different from Among Us. Yeah, well, sort it's of- it's not Among Us. Among Us is the description I'm giving it. It's it's sort of like Among Us, except with role-playing with NPCs rather than, you know, each other. Uh, in a sort of a visual novel style, it, it's kind of like you're talking to each other, trying to figure out some kind of mystery thing. So is why I kind of related it to Among Us. Um, but, yeah. And, but it's... Look kind of interesting as like sort of a visual novelish thing. So, uh, it sounds like it might be interesting, but I definitely need to know more before I even looked at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Happy Game, psychedelic horror thing. Okay, this this one immediately piques my interest. I'm gonna have to look this up. Um, which one? Oh, Happy Game. Yeah, this is. This is interesting, because it's all, like, happy imagery distorted to be creepy as shit, so it's... It looks interesting. It's, uh... I think you might get a kick out of that. It definitely looks interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh... I might have to pick this up, just because... Oh, yeah, that's, uh... That's pretty horrifying looking. I'm, I'm looking at the trailer right <laughs> now. I'm like... Nice. Uh... Yeah, the arts. I'm kind of sold on like the creepy saccharine art style here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm and by a developer called Amanita Design, so I'm immediately sold. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Super Meat Boy Forever releasing December twenty third. Uh, Edmund McMillan, the fuck's going on with ya? Where's a uh, Where's Repentance? And also, where's Mugenics? <laughs> you got me, it's, man. But Super like, Meat Boy's coming out, apparently. When when can I selectively breed my cats and also play yet another expansion to uh, Binding of Isaac? <laughs> but, uh... So, is this just a re-release of Super Meat Boy, or is this, like... A whole new game. I, I thought it was a whole new game, but I didn't play the original, so I really couldn't tell you from just watching the trailer. Uh, I'm not totally sure. Uh, I thought it was a new game, but I don't know. Uh, well, I guess I'll be... I revert to my original question. Edmund McMillan. What the fuck, man? Mm-hmm. Where's your other games? Right? That, that again, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, so. I'm, a, I'm a big fan of uh, some of those games, at least. I didn't play mm-hmm. the Super Meat Boy, so maybe I'm just being very selective here. Mm-hmm. Right. Very insistent on what I want. Mm-hmm. Grindstone. Bejeweled sort of puzzle thing. Which was also shadow dropped. Yeah, it's like one of those uh, kind of slidey gem puzzle games so you kind of get combos of how many gems are in a row or something um looks okay i don't like those kind of games but my wife is like totally bonkers for them so she's like way into this game i'm okay with them they're Mm -hmm. okay yeah yeah i don't know if i need a time filler i've been playing tetris effect recently so there you go (laughs) Among Us for Switch has also been Shadow Drop. Not yeah. to be confused with Gnosia Among Us. Right. <laughs> this is this is the social game. This is a 
the one where you can get up to ten players, and it's basically werewolf in real time. Yeah. Mad uh, Pony, oh my god! So I've been, I, I, I've been having fun with this, uh, fun with that with friends. So, mm -hmm. uh, if you yeah, can get, um, like, a I, group of friends together on voice chat, I'd recommend it. Yeah, uh, it sounds like a good time. I also found out that that was also added that day to Game Pass, so I don't know what it is about <laughs> things getting told to me that they exist by, uh, you know... Nintendo Directs, and then I get them on Game Pass, but it's like, okay, thanks for saving me five bucks, buddy. Fair enough. Uh, are you ready for the table topic? Um, I am ready for the table topic. That'll be fun. So, uh, for those of you who have been, uh, paying attention, uh, our table topic for the week is I have not been recording the audio version of this. Oh, shit. Wait, have I? I mean, maybe you could strip the audio it out says of the YouTube version. Stuff. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I guess I might have to do okay. that. So that's awkward. But I will that. figure that out later. Yeah, that's it's odd because it's the interface just doesn't look right. Because it, I have the stop button, not the record button, which would imply that I had pushed the... Because when you push record, it changes to the stop button. So... <laughs> But it's it also has zero minutes zero seconds on the timer, so. So we're not recording the audio version. I, I guess, yeah. So I'll I'll figure that out later. Sorry uh, if the audio version got delayed or something. This yeah. might be a YouTube only <laughs> podcast, which yeah. So I, we we've had some instances of something like that happening before, but yeah. I think that means we have to drink. Yeah, pretty sure. I'll I'll drink to that. So. Uh, oh. This beer is interesting. This is Rosé for Days, which is from Oscar Blues Brewing Company. Rosé-style ale with hibiscus and prickly pear. Um, it's actually a little tart and um, very tasty, though. Very refreshing. Um, hmm, actually, that's a little more tart than I was thinking. Hmm. But not, like, overpoweringly so. And it, it, it feels like the tartness complements the rest of what's going on in there with the hibiscus and stuff. So that's a pretty good beer. Um, yeah. I am going to give that a... Hmm. I don't know. Let's go with a 13. I was, expect I was expecting higher based on that praise for some reason. Yeah, I don't know, it's not a style that I... Because I'm not big into sour beers, but uh, just a little tartness kind of works with what it's doing. So it's just not my style of beer exactly, but it is a pretty good beer. So Okay. Yeah. Well... Yeah, so shall we get into our table topic? We shall, and this is a continuation from last week. The Tabletop Awards! Yeah, because uh, uh, last week we did our... Uh, Game of the Year awards, which uh, some of which were from this year and some of which were not. So, you know, what you going to do? These are our best games uh, of 2020, which don't have to have come out from in 2020. In fact, they don't have to have come out, you know, in the last 30 any years. Time recently. Yeah, we decided yeah. just to do a general tabletop <laughs> award thing 
because uh, like there's I don't know there's tons of tabletops and we figured we'd just give out some shout outs to some of our favorite ones uh, so we shall see uh, which uh, tabletops we both picked. I think we have some pretty different ideas behind what we wanted to showcase this time around. Yeah, I think so. Um, I figured I'd, you know, kind of look for something that was a little different from you most of the time. Although I also haven't played a lot of the things that you suggested because you just play a lot more different systems or look through a lot more books than I do about it. So. Um, yeah, and, and and well, that also means we get to say different stuff about why we feel the w- way we feel about certain things and why they got the award. So, yeah. Uh, best customization. Uh, would you like to go first or shall I? Um, I could. Um, so I chose uh, the hero system, which uh, is generally a superhero based uh, system. That's why it's called hero system, obviously. But um, it's, it's customizable enough that basically you can create any kind of character you want uh and it's it it also goes out of its ways to like have rules for literally every different weird thing you could possibly want to come up with uh or or even do it's like got tables to figure out you know how much your role is changed from like throwing a item that's not meant to be thrown that's too big to be thrown from prone and from sitting and from kneeling and from sta- and it's it's just so detailed that it's it's literally a it's absurd it's there's no reason for this much detail but um you know it it kind of works out so uh it's what I will say is it's very cumbersome on the uh, GM, especially if they like are the kind of GM that like really likes to create every little aspect of every little character and go into in-depth customization of all of their enemies, all of their NPCs, and all that. It can be very, very cumbersome because it's kind of ridiculously complex. Um, I found a cabin in this treasure chest. How do you fit a fucking cabin in a treasure chest? Uh, you know, magic. <laughs> Apparently. Uh, you have anything more to say on, uh... Um, nothing specific. Um, you've also played some Hero System, and, and you've got your suggestion as well, so... Yeah, so... My suggestion, rather than going with the game I felt let you create any character you wanted, which is more games than I can count on any hand. Yeah. I went with uh, one of the games I felt best lets you create a character of a broad variety of types that also fits into the system's expectations mm-hmm. as best fits rubber meets the road kind of deal. So right. I went with Godbound, which is a sign no mind game that's kind of D&D based mm-hmm. where you play... Uh, and I think I featured this on uh, Chris Bing- Brings a Thing back when we could meet in person. Yeah, I do think you did. But you can you play a uh, person who happens to be uh, 
bound to words of creation. And those words of creation can be very broad things like fire or like artifice or like engineering or madness or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can select a variety of powers based on those. But the game's pretty open-ended in saying here a lot of this is kind of suggestions and you can make more things based on this by creating more a uh, word to better fit what you're seeking or creating gifts to better fit what you're seeking mm-hmm. uh, and because you're able to pick three words you're going to have a pretty major combination of types that you can play and all of those characters can be made uh, and then fit in the same party together and play together without much trouble. So you have a lot of leeway in not just the characters that the system will let you create, but in the the characters that are expected to play together, which I think may be more of a gold standard. Yeah. For customization. Yeah, so that's an interesting choice, definitely. Yeah. I dig it. Yeah. Um, Best for a new tabletop RPG player? Yeah. Um, What did you put there, Chris? I put the Glog, or the Goblin Laws of Gaming, because I have... uh, And this almost made it in best customization, too, because it only was narrowly beat out by Godbound, in my estimation. Uh Uh, But it's essentially a hack of... A hack of a hack of a hack of kind of old school D&D uh-huh. where uh, you can pick there's a just generally a giant number of classes to choose from like mm-hmm. an obscene ridiculous mount and you're free to create whatever classes are appropriate for your game or uh, characters or whatever but they're fairly well defined on what they can do so mm-hmm. you start at level one you're fairly squishy and you can every time you level up, you apply another. Uh, I think it's called a template on top of that, which means you can multi-class. You can be like two levels of wizard, two levels of barbarian, or whatever. And you apply the templates in order on top of each other. Uh, and once you hit level four, you're a full-fledged adventurer, and any gains you get from leveling up further to like level five or level six or whatever are pretty marginal. Mm-hmm. So you're always playing at kind of a human level. Uh, and you don't, I don't believe you get much in the way of templates past that. Uh, mm-hmm. But it makes it so that you have kind of lightning fast progression from like just starting out to like full fledged adventurer hero status. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of just going from level one to four, uh, the characters are very quick to roll up. Uh, there's a bunch of different classes to play, so if you're like, I don't like the way my one character died, I felt like that was weak, you can just swap to another one, roll them Mm -hmm. up, and go in with your equipment and be there in five minutes. Uh, and there's usually, and a lot of the varieties of it are friendlier in terms of death, they have things like you need to recover from, you can get recovered from fatal wounds when you drop to zero HP, so it's Mm -hmm. not a complete meat grinder like a lot of older school yeah uh dnd can be <clears throat> mm-hmm. 
and it, it's very quick to pick up. It's very much you get your character, you can pick your class pretty quickly. You have your single single ability, and then you're good to go. You're good to adventure. Right. That's pretty cool. I dig it. Um, so my choice was uh, fourth or fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons. Um, I would because I wasn't sure whether or not I wanted to go with uh, fourth or fifth because I felt like. They've both got different advantages to new RPG players because obviously, uh, fourth edition is a little bit just different. A lot of people say it's like a good system, but it's not D and D's. Is kind of how people look at it. So, one of the things I like about fifth edition is that you like getting into that will kind of be a springboard into obviously D and D being the most popular RPG series, like. It's, you know, I think there's advantage in that because getting into another tabletop RPG as a new player, um, while it might be better mechanically to teach you how they work mechanically, tabletop RPGs, I think it's also helpful to understand, you know, I feel like these ones are very user-friendly to get into, and as well as they can springboard into any other one. Because, like, if you start on 5th edition, and then you get to a group that plays Pathfinder or something, like, a lot of your knowledge can translate close enough that it's not, you know, completely overbearing to learn the new system, right? And... I feel like the same thing is true to 4th edition to a lesser extent because it's a little further removed from what is normal, quote-unquote, Dungeons & Dragons. So would you say your standard for putting the game, the games you put in this category would be translatable, the, the ease of translation uh, into a different form of D&D? Um, that is one of the bonuses I gave them, because, like, if you understand the concept of how D&D &D works, you can go in and play any version of D&D &D with a group, as long as they're not going to be total dicks about, oh, you know, you thought it worked like that because you play fifth edit, you know, as long as your group isn't total buttheads like that. I think there's a lot to be said for just the popularity of D&D &D and getting into it as a as tabletop RPGs as an entertainment medium. Okay. I uh, I would uh, I may have some agreement with you on 5th edition in terms of at least translation and it being a fairly uh, an easier system to pick up. Yeah. I feel like it lacks uh some of the customization of 3.5 or Pathfinder, as we've probably said on several other podcasts, but uh, as a system, it's not bad, and it's, I feel like it's a really easy starting point for anybody to just get into uh, tabletop RPGs, basically. It is also one of the most played games in the world, so if you're a new player, and yeah, uh, it would be probably it's it's probably going to be what you're going to start with and what most people around you are playing. So yeah. there's a certain there's a certain sense to saying it's good for a new tabletop RPG player just because it's popular because people are playing it. Yeah, people it'll also probably be easier to find a fifth edition D and D group than 
any other RPG. Yep, that's I would I would uh, agree with that. Like unless your group is a bunch of fucking those like us that still play three point five, you know, <laughs> and yeah. and you keep trying to get us to play OD and D. Yeah, uh, for some reason people have been less receptive to that. Yeah, which is weird, because, like, most weeks I'm like, yeah, whatever, I don't mind. Because, like, lately I've just been, like, a lot of times I'm the default DM, and I don't mind that. But every now and then I'm just like, yeah, whatever, I'll play, you know, whatever people decide. And then they're like, no, you DM, we don't want to do OD&D. <laughs> it, does, it does help that our uh, our uh, Saturday group is very much a 3.5 Pathfinder group. That's what most of the people there are familiar with. Yeah. We got one fifth edition guy and one OD and D guy, and and then you guys, both of you, come in together and meet in the middle for three point five, right? Yeah. Yeah, that does seem to be the case. Hmm. I'm surprised uh, I haven't found any ogres. Best fluidity of gameplay. Yeah. So, uh, what was yours? Yours was what? So I had kind of two for mine. And one is the choice that I felt like was tr- probably the truth, and I almost didn't want to list it because it <laughs> felt too obvious. Uh-huh. And there's also caveats attached to it. And the other one is a very weird choice, even for people who played this game. So the first choice was any OD&D or like any basic or any, any old school D&D that isn't AD&D that doesn't have like the segmented rounds. Any D&D that has Vegas-style initiative, uh, turn tracking, and isn't much more well-defined beyond that, because mm-hmm. it's very fluid in uh, exploration and description. It's very much focused on the dungeon crawl of, okay, we go to this room, the DM describes what's in this room, I interact with this thing, okay, you interact with the thing. Uh, oh, I, I don't want to do that, I want to do it in this way. Um, it's very much the heart of what I feel a tabletop RPG is was created with OD&D. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of the more sophisticated mechanics that tend to bog things down were just not present. Which of course meant that the game played differently for everybody because everyone was interpreting it in a different way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also meant that the game was very much just a convert as close to a conversation as possible and when combat came up it was just you went and the monsters went or the monsters went and then you went mm-hmm. uh your, your your group so it could and you all had one action so everybody could do everything all at once mm-hmm. uh so very very quick very easy to play very intuitive to understand the other game I listed, and this might throw some people off who've played this game, is Everyone is John, which is a competitive role-playing game where you are all different personalities inside of the head of a man named John, and only one player has control at any given time. Mm-hmm. And you all have different goals, and anytime you accomplish your goal, you or another personality accomplishes your goal uh, you are rewarded with points. And uh, all of your goals are secret from each other. And you all have skills that make you slightly better at doing anything different. Mm-hmm. And the 
Dice roll mechanics are dead simple. If you have a skill for it, you succeed on a 4 through 6. If you don't, you only succeed on a 6. You're rolling a single 6-sided die. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you spent, you have 10 points of willpower, if you spend a point of willpower, you can increase this threshold of success by 1. And you also have to bid willpower to take over. Mm-hmm. If everyone's out of willpower, the game is over, and you tally up the points to decide who wins. Mm. And it may not sound fluid because only one person is playing at a time. Right. Uh, but it ends up being everyone is very invested in whatever John is doing at any given time because they have to pay attention due to where they're going to end up and when they want to vie for control. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because the dice mechanics are dead simple and there's a few release valve mechanisms like, oh, John gets bored, so he falls asleep when he wakes up, you have to vie for control, or if you fail a roll, you uh, immediately have to vie for control, one of the other personalities can take over. Mm-hmm. Uh, the game ends up having a very natural dynamic. No one is ever bored for a moment, it seems. So I would say that's a pretty fluid game in an right. odd way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's kind of fair. Um, so the game I put uh, was 3.5 Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, is my favorite edition. Uh, with a couple of caveats. Uh, because it's until you get to the high levels. Because once you get to the higher high levels of play, you know, when you're in epic levels or, or even, like, uh, above, like, 15, like some player or another is going to have a complicated ass series of things that they have to do every turn for their character to work properly and maximize damage and, and stuff especially if you're getting into power gamey like epic level play or something that can be like crazy long time between turns and so it, it's it's up to a point, but in the low to mid levels of, of 3.5, I feel like if you have a play group that has a general idea of what they're doing, how their character works and all that, uh, it really just flows very naturally. Uh, this is unfortunately a thing that doesn't always happen with new play groups with this edition. Uh, so it, it, it does take a certain level of familiarity with the system. But if you've got that level of familiarity, then everything's just like, okay, I do this and this and this, and then, you know, the bad guy moves here, and oh, I get an attack of opportunity, and, and you know, everybody's reminding everybody of, you know, what their buffs are and things, and it 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 really feels like it flows better as a community game than any other game that I've ever played. Because uh, everybody's kind of in the moment, especially, uh, like like I was saying, if you're really knowledgeable about it, which a lot of people in our group are, uh, then, you know, like, nobody ever misses a little, you know, a single little thing. And I think that's really cool about it, that, um, you know, you get your... Uh, Sorry, I'm trying to hit the magic button here. <laughs> but, uh... You're on an input play of, uh, some troubles. Yeah, I'm trying to heal Todd, damn it. <laughs> but, uh... Ah, three damage. But, um, what was I saying? Yeah, it's like... 
you know, after you've been playing like a board game for a few turns and first you're telling everybody how to do it every turn and then they kind of get used to it turn by turn, I feel like, you know, after the third turn, you know, in a well-designed board game, just everybody suddenly, it, it starts to click and, and they're like, okay, yeah, I get it. And, and when you have that click in 3.5, I feel like it just flows even more naturally because everybody's working together for you know, the end goal instead of like, you know, when you're playing Monopoly or something, uh, and you gotta, ah, shit, I hit the wrong guy, but, um, you know, everybody's kind of not getting into it as much because it's more of a competitive thing. It's, I, I feel like just tabletop RPGs in general are better about that than like board games. Yeah, yeah, because like, I'd, I'd agree with yeah. tabletop RPGs and better in general being better about flow. I think this is one of the few uh, choices of yours where I would actually disagree pretty strongly mm -hmm. on the principles. Uh, but that's I, I, I'm not sure that we want to get into that here. Um, I mean, you could say your piece I, or whatever. I, I, I would say that the reason low level 3.5 or Pathfinder flow as well with the group we play with is because we, the vast majority of the people that we play with these days are intimately familiar with how 3.5 works mm -hmm. and how our character builds work. And that the very moment you have a player who's less familiar with, not, not even the rules, just with how their character works, um, mm -hmm. things slow down, tend to slow down to a crawl. They tend and there's a million little hang-ups there. That's fair. That to get in the way. So that's kind of why I, I did kind of want to put that with an asterisk, because that's yeah. definitely true to some extent. You, you know, you have to have your group familiar with it. But as long as, like, you know, somebody's familiar enough with the rules to help you through, I feel like it's also good... Uh, I feel like I've generally had good experiences with people explaining the rules to people who don't, you know, who misunderstood a mechanic or something, and then like, once you misuse it, how did Todd die? What the fuck? I looked away for two Todd seconds. Died? Yeah, damn it, Todd. I also looked away for two seconds. <laughs> he was at totally oh, fine hit points. I just Todd healed him in the last combat. <laughs> I guess I'll have to go to the church. Poor Todd. Gotta go to the church to get resurrections. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What a shame. Yeah. Was that was that your piece on uh, three point five there? Yeah, generally I got my got my say out of the way. Alright. Best tabletop based off some other thing. Not yeah. not necessarily a licensed game, I don't I think uh, there are more fan games based off of properties than there are actual licensed games because yeah. tabletop RPGs are such a hobbyist thing, but, uh... Uh-huh. Uh, well, I, I actually really like your answer, Sean. So... Alright, yeah. Uh, so these are some guys that actually came on the podcast. Um, or, well, one guy that worked on this system came on the podcast and played a, played a level, or a, a little bit of a dungeon with us in, um... Uh, gosh, what's it? 
now I'm brain farting. Because uh, I want to say Breath of the Wild, but it's uh, Reclaim, Reclaim the, the Wild. Wild. That's it. Yeah. Reclaim the Wild. Um, so, as a Zelda fan, um, I have, le- like, here, let me put it this way, right? I've been playing Age of Calamity a lot lately. Uh, in the last three weeks, I've played about 70 hours since it released. Uh, so that, that's a pretty good chunk of my time that I've been playing with this. And I feel like Reclaim the Wild embodies the Zelda series better than Age of Calamity, which was literally worked on by Nintendo. That is the praise that I will give these guys. Uh, every little thing just feels Zelda-ish, you know? Uh, and in addition to that, it's... Even if you were to strip away all of the Zelda things and rename them something else that wasn't Zelda-related, it would still be a really, really fun RPG as well, uh, and with a ton of unique mechanics, because a lot of the combat is kind of based around reacting to things, like uh, if you go back and listen to our episode where we had Elemental Knight on is, is one of the developers of this RPG. Um, basically, By the way, Elemental Knight, if, if you're listening, we I would love to finish up that game. I, I'm yeah. aware it's been over a year, but... Yeah, I always keep meaning to message him, but I I message several people kind of regularly, and uh, he's got a different schedule that we we had to kind of finagle it to get him on the first time, I remember. Uh, So, but definitely, uh, if you're still interested, um, then yeah, we'd we'd love to get some... I want to get some more actual play on the podcast anyways, uh, because I think that's a fun thing to do on the podcast. But anyways, point of the story, um, the way the system works really has to do with these reaction kind of mechanics. So, um, like, my character was a sword and board Gerudo warrior uh, with a little bit of magic here and there. So on my turn, a lot of times I'd use a magic spell or something, and then um, when I was uh, attacked, I could block one attack, I could parry another attack, and, uh, you know, depending on the situation, other mechanics came in here and there because of you know my gear and and it's it's so cool that like your gear uh really impacts the way the the system runs because most of the time it's like gear in tabletop rpgs just gives you a static buff you have a shield it gives you a plus two armor class or you know whatever plus two defense depending on the system you know whatever whatever however you're going to talk about that that's what it does but in this, it's like you get a little bit of a defense bonus to avoid being hit, and you get that additional block chance that you can uh, use a block attempt to just, uh, you know, negate attacks sometimes. So that's really, really cool that every piece of equipment has a purpose, and it's such a well-crafted system, and I really, really loved playing it. And then to go back to the category, this is the best tabletop based off of some other thing, and everything feels like it's Zelda, right? Like, playing this, I felt like I was in Breath of the Wild, which partially goes to uh, Elemental Knight and his uh, ability to, you know, create a, a adventure within kind of the Breath of the Wild world as a setting. So that was, that was really good on him. But in addition, just the way the system worked made it feel even better because you've got all your Zelda-y, you know spells and abilities and and there's a pot smashing mechanic he's literally got tables just to see what random shit you find when you bust pots and that's fucking amazing 
there is no feeling more Zelda-y than I, I gotta say smashing that, that a fucking pot. Mechanic, that pot smashing mechanic was one of the things that really sold me on the yeah. system. Yeah, went into that cave and he's like, there's two pots in the corner. I was like, yes, there's pots! <laughs> so definitely go check that out if you haven't. It's a free system. Uh, look up Reclaim the Wild. There's also a couple of uh, supplemental books, and I believe they just put up their newest edition uh, last month or two months ago. So fairly recently, they've got a little update uh, to their system. So that looks like it's you know still even getting better. So that's cool. Yeah. Uh, so I did not choose Reclaim the Wild for my best tabletop based off some other thing. Did you think about I, it? Uh, I had... I gotta admit, I had not thought about it. You and fool. now that I'm looking at it, I'm like, maybe? It's definitely up there with the one I'm about to recommend to you. But, uh, uh -huh. Rogue Trader, which is based off of the Warhammer 40k uh, tabletop game, which is, I believe itself, also based off of the original Warhammer War game, which also had a Warhammer fantasy role-playing system attached to it. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not sure mm -hmm. which of those came first. But uh, Rogue Trader is set in the Warhammer 40k universe, where you uh, play members of one of the uh, rare trading ships... Uh, one of which is the captain, the noble who has like the right to trade document that had passed down his family. Uh, and it's just kind of awesome. Mm -hmm. It's like uh, much more lighthearted than normal Warhammer 40k. It's not just pure grim dark because it's more like you're playing. It's more like you're Hans. Your Han Solo than it is you're playing uh, grim dark warriors fighting in the grim dark future. You're just there to make a profit and have adventures while making a profit. So it's kind of got like the space pirates thing going on. Nice. Uh, so everything seems a bit more colorful. It's mm -hmm. got kind of a nice life path system for where it says, oh, here's where you were born. Here are the natural career paths you could have taken. Here's where you would have ended up. Mm -hmm. uh, where your options are kind of limited, but you get to move forward as you're generating a character. And then you can... And then it has uh, specific roles you can fill on the ship, like, I want to say, like, Astro Gator, Astro Navigator, or something like that, is one of the roles. Um, where you're, like, a psychic who can see into the warp... And that's how your ship gets around, and so you have chances of, like, warp insanity and mutations when you do shit like that. Um, and it has a wealth mechanic where it's like, oh, you're, you're, you're incredibly wealthy, but to buy certain, certain, you can buy, like, entire shipments worth of certain things, but, or... It, you, you might have to, like, check your wealth to buy entire shipments worth of things, or, like, buy some very rare unique item but most of the time it's just assumed yeah you can afford it you can go on and do whatever You're, that's kind of your job is to buy stuff and sell it elsewhere mm -hmm. uh, and have adventures in the meantime so uh, very much kind of like a fun adventure o almost like your pirates campaign I, I would say but you are technically legal operators cool 
So it's more like a um, uh, privateers campaign. <laughs> yeah, you might encounter the forces of chaos and be privateers like, well, we're space. not a warship, oh god. Mm -hmm. Ooh, I'm fighting green imps. But uh, do because it's Warhammer 40k and it's in space, you also have things like the ship itself can be like a massive unexplored <laughs> space. Because that's what the ships are like. <laughs> uh, traveling from place to place, you go through the warp, you might have demons on board. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it's It's got a lot of potential. I, I, I'm a big fan. Cool. Yeah, that sounds pretty neat. Yeah. I dig it. Um, I've always kind of wanted to get into Warhammer a little bit, uh, Warhammer 40k specifically, because I like the idea of it, but I hear so many horror stories about people being dicks about you painted your minis wrong, <laughs> you know, like, he can't be in this squad because he's got a blue shoulder, you know, and, and just... Well, that's dumb, because yeah. all, I, I have a bunch of Warhammer 40k minis, and mm -hmm. uh, they're because of the brand of super glue I used... Uh, they're all cripple marines at this point, as in, like, they're missing, like, arms or, like, legs or, like, shoulder blades and shit. I think a few of them are missing heads. Nice. Uh, some of them are, like, covering their their eyes while they're shooting a gun as mm -hmm. far away from themselves as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good stuff. Nice. Uh, best published one-shot. Yeah, so this is an interesting category because I picked this thinking of the one published one-shot that I've ever talked about, or that I've ever purchased, which I purchased in my early DMing days, and I was looking for it and I could not find it, so I have no idea where it is. I might have given it away or sold it, apparently, because I looked through all my D&D books and stuff and I couldn't find it. I don't remember what it was called, but I, I read through it and I thought, I thought to myself... This is, like, really difficult to, like, pay attention to all the rules and run this at the same time. And, and like, you know, every, you know, step is like a choose-your-own-adventure book. But then I have to keep looking back and forth to find the character sheet on this page and the ability descriptions on this other page. And, and it's just, it seemed like a major pain in the ass. So I basically took, like two of the characters and two of the plot points and just winged everything in the middle. I'm just like, fuck it, I'm gonna wing it like I always do. So I have very little experience with these, so I'm gonna just let you take it away because I couldn't even find the one that I bought. Uh, so I guess, I guess I will take it away. So I actually had a lot of trouble deciding on this one because I'm like, well, what is a one-shot? It's an adventure you run in one shot, but there's lots of adventures that are expected to take multiple sessions. There's lots of, like, mega dungeon adventures. Um, there's lots of products that are, like, multiple things that could be run as one-shots, but right. together they I guess I could aren't. have said, you know, like, best published module or something, but... There, there was, uh... Yeah, uh, best pu published module would be pretty difficult to pick out, although mm. I think what I picked would still be in the running there. All right. uh, but what I ultimately ended up deciding on, because it's a bunch of pretty much any piece of this could be a one-shot, mm -hmm. uh, and it's one of the best things I had read in a long time, uh, was Mothership Dead Planet. 
So mm-hmm. Dead Planet is a module for the Mothership role-playing game, which I, I got Dead Planet before I even got the Mothership role-playing game, if that tells you anything about how good this fucking module is. Uh, where there's basically a Dead Planet, I believe there's like a portal that basically sucks ships traveling in through hyperspace and kind of holds them there with gravity. Mm-hmm. And you're just kind of stuck there until you can shut it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what it's got going on for it, other than it, than like what you might think is like generic horror adventure, is that there are a bunch of different things going on. There's like a moon around the planet that has like a colony full of like cannibal people that you can interact with that you can be hostile with or you can have like positive interactions with but they have like a lot of interesting things going on interesting prices that would need to be exacted from you to get their cooperation um there's a whole bunch of dead ships in orbit around the planet which you can just spend lots of time exploring uh that are just like derelict you you can breach them you can explore them you can try and raid them for cash and credits and try to avoid any horrible things on them uh you can travel down to the surface of the planet and try and shut off the portal itself uh and there's like various different ways of doing so some are better for you than others and it's kind of got like and, and but any one of those ways of interacting with it uh, could take up an entire session even if you were just saying I'm going to cut out all the rest of the stuff here is what the group is focusing on for this mm. one shot cool. um, it's it's not got a very high page count mm-hmm. uh, let, let me see if I can find the page count right here mm-hmm. uh, it, it's got a lot of content for being an otherwise very dense thing. Mm-hmm. So it's got 48 pages cover to cover. Mm-hmm. And it's got, I want to say, five or six full-on adventure locations, not including the derelict ships in orbit. Um, mm-hmm. In those pages, each one of which could be an adventure all on its own. So I'm I'm a huge fan of this, uh, and also I'm a huge fan of all of the Mothership stuff. All of it kind of shows its level of quality, so this is mostly just an excuse for me to gush about Mothership and how awesome they are. Yeah, there you go. Sounds pretty Uh, awesome. Yeah. Best supplemental guide. Yeah, do you want to go first on this one, or uh, do you want me to... Uh, if, If you'd go first, then I can get over my clusterfuck of an answer. Okay. Uh, so my best supplemental guide is um, Seafarer's Handbook, which is a uh, 3.0 adjacent uh, third-party published uh, supplemental guide that basically was uh, for non-magic uh, play, mostly uh where you're doing seafaring combat. It's got a lot of ship-to-ship combat rules. It's got a, you know, a few different classes and feats and things that uh, really kind of go into the, you know, the seafaring kind of, like there's a swash. 
Templar class and pirates and, and all that kind of thing. And this is a little bit where I got my inspiration to have a giant-ass pirate campaign. That and I watch too much fucking One Piece. But uh, it's um, this particular guide, I really like it because it basically tells you what it is as a seafarer's handbook and it really delivers on that concept of just giving you everything you need to do like this you know a a large scale uh world with a lot of ship to ship combat you know whether you're the navy or pirates or whatever exactly you're going to be doing in your campaign and uh really delivers on all the mechanics you could possibly want to that end. Um, In addition, like I said, it was kind of made to be a non-magic, like, standalone, not quite a campaign setting, but like a standalone rule set. And um, it, interestingly enough... Like, it combines interestingly when you make, when you have magic in a campaign that you're using source, using this kind of source material. Um, and, cause it has some really overpowered non-magic mechanics, and I love that because as a guy who doesn't play many magic using classes, it makes me feel like I'm finally as powerful as the fucking wizard right? Because obviously at low levels, the wizard kind of sucks with his few spells and not very many hit points, but when you get to a certain point, you are objectively better than every melee class as a wizard or a sorcerer or a cleric. So it's, it's with this kind of stuff, just kind of breaking the system a little bit, I think it's really fun to introduce into a magic setting. Like, hey, I've got this and this and this broken mechanic, and now I'm just as broken as you. And at the same time, you're kind of not as broken because you're doing, like, like their fireball damage or their holy smite, you know, circle of holy fire... What's that spell called? Flame strike. You know, that kind of damage is doing as much damage as you are, but to, like, more than one target. And as a melee guy, you're still probably just hitting one target. So... It, it kind of rebalances it in a way. Maybe it tips the scales a little too far, but I'm okay with that because of how far they're tipped towards magic users in base 3.0, 3.5 D&D. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. Seafarer's Handbook, you said. Yeah. This is the book that was commonly referred to as 7C that's not actually that? Uh... Yeah, I think so. I got the book. I'll show it to you sometime. Um, I found it in my parents' basement the other day when I was helping them clean out some stuff. Okay, cool. Uh, well, my answer is going to be kind of a mess, and it's mostly because I have so many good supplemental books mm-hmm. on my shelves that I had trouble narrowing it down. And even mm-hmm. narrowing it down to these three, I always have like hang-ups about Ooh, maybe this one would have been best, but uh, mm-hmm. the three I generally feel most positive about are the Tome of Adventure design, Carcosa, and the Dark of Hot Springs Island. Mm-hmm. And I feel positively about them for different reasons. With the Tome of Adventure design, it's the most comprehensive D&D 
like content creation advice and generation manual out there bar none nice as in if you are a dm you are benefited by having this thing and just referencing it every once in a while it is so powerful of a tool for just you can just read through it and just let your mind fill with ideas or you can use it and you'd be like, oh, fuck it, I'll generate a random monster here. Roll these dice, roll these dice. Okay, this new creature exists that didn't exist before and it's unique and totally like D&D, but it's, it's awesome in every way. Uh, mm. Or like, I need like a plot of the villain of the day or I need to create a dungeon or I want to do some other kind of adventure. It has help for all of that. It's incredible. Uh, Matt Finch is an incredible writer. Uh, it's probably one of the most highly recommended things I could come out with. But it is uh, the only thing I would say about it that is kind of a detriment to it is that it's very much because it's so powerful of a tool because it addresses so many things. It also comes off as somewhat generic. It is mm. very much it's very good at fulfilling like a generic D&D kind of role. That mm. is not the case with Carcosa, which is a big setting book mm -hmm. where you're adventuring on an alien planet. Uh, all of the people there are humans with different uh, colored skin and like crayon, like Crayola colored skin, like red people are like bright red skin or like blue people are like bright blue skin or like skeleton people who just have transparent skin so they look like skeletons hmm. uh, and they're all like very primitive on this alien world they're kind of in the they're almost in the stone age I would say but the book just says that's how I present it it's not how you have to present it mm -hmm. and there's a lot of like sci-fi technological devices you can find that can be randomly generated there's like robot generation and Lovecraftian gods, like actual Lovecraftian gods, and like their spawn wandering around. Cool. And you can, so, and a bunch of interesting places like the city of Carcosa, or like the radioactive wastes, or like these, ju like these jungles that are full of like laser Tyrannosaurus Rex, or whatever the fuck that is. Um, Carcosa is a book that does, that gets across a, vision of a very strange place with uh, very little detail. Mm -hmm. And despite the reputation of the publishing company, which is mixed, it's still worth the pickup. Mm -hmm. And the last thing I have on this list is The Dark of Hot Springs Island, which is a smaller setting book because it's not just a setting. It's not it's more of a micro setting in that it could be an adventure on its own and as part of a larger setting. And in fact, I'm currently using it as that right now and a campaign I'm currently running mm -hmm. uh, where you go to an island that's filled with treasure and monsters and all sorts of political shenanigans and a whole bunch of things going on on the island. And it's set up as a sandbox that when the players interact with things they tend to knock over other things. And it tends to create a cascading situation such that when a player, when the player group finds things 
it tends to ignite conflict and it makes the situation change as the players continue to interact with it in an organic way. Mm -hmm. And it does so in a very terse sense. Um, absolutely one of my favorite kind of adventure modules slash settings. Cool. And uh, that that's what I had to narrow it down to, those three. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Nice. So that was a lengthy answer. Uh, yeah. Do we want to get on to our best tabletops ever? Um. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, final award. Um. So, uh, what did you ever decide? Uh, well, I was asking you, do you want my ultimate cop-out answer or my smug self-satisfied masturbatory answer, which I misspelled masturbatory right here. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing that you spelled something correctly? Incorrectly. Mm. And I said, yeah, maybe. That's my, that's my answer. That's your answer, <laughs> is yeah, maybe? Yeah, maybe. Uh, um, I don't know. Both of those sound interesting. Uh, let's go with the uh, cop-out first. Okay, well, my cop-out answer, think? which I think is actually the truest answer I could say, mm -hmm. is that the best tabletop is a game the game you create for the players in front of you right now whether you mm. use another system to make that or whether you create a system out of whole cloth the best game the best tabletop ever is the one that you tailor make to the group you want to run for and the kind of game that you want to run mm. and and anything else is always going to be secondary to that. Mm -hmm. Um. As long so, it's like if you were running, if you wanted to run like a three point five game, but you're like, oh, I want to limit it to six is max level. You're doing an epic six game. You're like, oh, and I only want martial classes, but I want like spellcasters to be able to cast spells by taking feats, so you can cast a spell. Uh, once a day if you know a feat for it or something like that, that mm -hmm. and that fits whatever weird vision you have for your world then go do that mm -hmm. and if you want something totally different then you do that uh, I don't remember what this ruse spell does Ruse? Does yeah. it help you escape? Maybe. Let's see. Uh. Ruse. Oh, it's a, uh. It get, raises your evasion. Oh, cool. I think. Mm -hmm. So it's like a lesser version of invisibility. Cool. Uh, did you want my other answer to this, or do you want to, or do you have an answer you want to provide? 
Um, I don't know, because I, th- I was thinking of doing a smug, self-satisfied <laughs> masturbatory answer. Because um, uh, as much as I like uh, things about tabletops, uh, I feel like this tabletop that we keep talking about, that we need to get around to actually finishing, once it's, like, finished and playtested and all that... I think it will be, like, one of the ultimate tabletops and able to fit into any of these categories other than, like, the based off of something, obviously. But then, you like, it's so malleable as a system that we could uh, make it work for anything if we wanted to make a campaign world based off of anything, right? A super so, simple system. Yes, uh, so that's uh, my smug, self-satisfied, masturbatory answer uh and and i also have a little bit of a cop-out answer as well uh but um yeah the super simple super system is a system that chris and i devised that will be available eventually probably maybe (laughs) um available eventually probably maybe yeah uh because i think we stumbled on you know a fair bit of very intuitive game design that makes it more customizable than any other game system that has ever been uh if not at least tying the most customizable ones like like i feel like it's as customizable as hero system because it i kind of stole a concept from hero system but i i tweaked it to make it fit this system a little better and we really made this system with the ultimate goal of just having a simple system that you know, you could have as ri- much ridiculous customization as you wanted. You could make any kind of crazy-ass, bonkers superhero that you wanted. Um, but it didn't take you, you know, an hour or two like it does in Hero System to make a single character. You know, at, at low levels even. It, it takes that long sometimes in Hero System because Hero System is very complicated. We wanted something with that amount of customization, but that you didn't have to spend forever to make a character or explain the system. So, like, we've... Like, I actually played a, a session of this system with my kids, and they they got it, like, instantly. And they were three and five at the time they're four and six now so i want to kind of go into it now that they are a little bit more number savvy because it uses all percentile dice so that was their only hang up at that age was their um you know problems with the math calculations when they're rolling and adding a number to the percentile dice and all that and now that they can, you know, do that a little more easily, I think they'd have an even better time with it. Because uh, they were, like, very creative with their characters as well. Which is funny, because, like, we had just got the Spyro Reignited Trilogy. So one of my kids just wanted to play Spyro the Dragon. And so he had this, you know, a couple of those abilities. But then he's, like, he wanted something else, like, really off the wall, like, uh, the ability to throw bombs or something. And I was like, yeah, okay, you can be the Spyro the Dragon, but you throw bombs. <laughs> and it's so cool how I was able to, you know, explain how we were creating these characters that I feel like my kids more got the gist of how the characters were created even, in addition to just understanding how to play the system. 
So I think we really struck gold with how well I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna pat ourselves on the back here because we are good system designers, apparently. And it really is a dead simple system in terms of just having the four stats used for attack and defense and your health total and then the power design. Yeah. So as long as you can do simple math like addition and subtraction, you can play this system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got a three-year-old and a five-year-old to get it, right? I had to help them a little bit with the math, but they got it. So, yeah, go us. Uh, yeah. And my cop-out answer is 3.5, because that's just the system that I always say I love, because, I don't know, something about that system is, like, I feel like maybe it's partially nostalgia at this point even, I don't know. But, like, every time a new system comes out, I, like, give it a go, and I'm just, like, looking for things to You're be, like... like this 3.5. Right, yeah, I'm just, like, every time I play a system, I'm, like... Like, inadvertently was... comparing it to 3.5 to just be, like, okay, so this is how this would work in 3.5. Does it work better here? Does it work worse here? And... As many systems as I play, I really never have felt like I had a good reason to not just play 3.5 instead, except for our system. You know, that makes a lot of sense. And I would I would go so far as to say that no, it's not nostalgia. Because mm -hmm. if you're actively playing the system and you enjoy it better than other systems you're trying out, Mm -hmm. then that's not just nostalgia that's like that that's you experiencing the game in the moment all right well just because you have fond memories of the system doesn't prevent doesn't mean that you're not also enjoying the game in the moment yeah i guess that's true because i i always try to take off my nostalgia glasses like when i play an old game like this like final fantasy like i'm having fun now even though i'm just grinding these fucking imps <laughs> Every now and then I'm finding a crazy horse or something, but, you know, uh, you know, it's just a fun trip, you know, to kind of revisit, you know, the, the fact that it's hard as balls kind of like, even if I wasn't for white mages, I feel like I remember grinding this much the first time I played Final Fantasy, right? So yeah. it's, it's just... You know, seeing that kind of game design gives me a trip anyways. And uh, especially, I replay Ocarina of Time a lot. I go through it at least once a year. And uh, every time I play it, I feel like I'm just having the time of my life. I'm having a, you know, great, great time with it every time, no matter how many times I play it. You know, I'll come up with weird challenges for myself, or sometimes I'll just do a casual run-through and... No matter what, I'm always having, you know, it's, it, it feels like I'm playing it for the first time again sometimes. It's, yeah. It's fucking great. It's pretty great. Yeah. Would you like my uh, masturbatory answer? Yes, I would. As long as we're on the subject of masturbatory answers. Okay. Uh, and, and I have the Is it extremely the other system you designed? <laughs> uh... It is, but not the one you think. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's the system All People Carry a Light, which is another kind of OD&D 
clone system that is not five cataclysms itself. Uh, right. Because it fills more of what I want out of that kind of system, which is um, making spellcasters not central, making the power curve flatter, and ha um, making the game less lethal, but not much less dangerous through mm -hmm. the dismemberment mechanics. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, being able to have a wide variety of character differentiation without feeling like you're pigeonholed into an archetype through gift through the gift system. Mm -hmm. uh, so there are no classes in this other than or more accurately, there's only one class, and it's just being a person. But the way you can build the character is very open-ended. Mm -hmm. And the character, if you're playing at first level, it's just you select a gift or you make a gift of your own choosing. And that defines a lot of your character and their status in life. Mm -hmm. And uh, as you play the game, you can invest in your character more by training them in different ways to make them be a learn different skills or spells or back techniques in battle mm -hmm. but it's loose enough that it's never the mechanics don't need to be front and center mm -hmm. which is usually what I want out of game so it has for me, it has the things I want out of D&D &D without a lot of the things that I think can be detriments to OD&D. &D. Sweet. Yeah, sounds uh, like good so shit. That, so that's that's my favorite system that I'm running in the present. Alright. Awesome. And, and also the really masturbatory answer is any system I had a hand in designing because right? I'm the greatest. <laughs> Aren't you? You're the greatest tabletop designer on this podcast, except for me. Yeah. Oh, or something. Something. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You've designed more systems than me, I think. Well, I mean, you did, you did the Pokemon system. That was really good. I did do the Pokemon system. That was fun. Uh, I really liked that Pokemon system. Yeah. It had, it had, the, uh, had the issues with the... With the, yeah, leveling up and flipping 8 million coins. It seemed like a good yeah. idea at the time. <laughs> but yeah. And the DBZ system. But yeah. Well, the DBZ system was really a bunch of homebrew classes for 3.5. And uh, actually, come to think of it, all people carry a light. Uh, all people carry a light owes a lot to your Zombocalypse system. Alright. As in as kind of a classless uh, build your character as you come up system. Yeah. They're, they're very they're both very much in that vein. Cool. Good to know. So so I think I can say pretty accurately one of my systems owes a lot of its DNA to one of your systems. Nice. And uh, not Now that you mention it, I guess I have designed more things than I <laughs> remembered. I also designed a, a system based off of uh, like there was a ep or a, a chapter in the Yu-Gi-Oh manga where he was playing some sort of tabletop game like this, and I thought it was really cool that I I tried to design that system and 
and that was kind of cool. It, it also helps that I think we had a lot of the same influences. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I remember re watching the Yu-Gi-Oh! anime. Mm -hmm. I think we're officially in just fucking around territory now. Yeah, I was going to say, like, uh, we uh, are probably coming to the end of the topic, because I, I guess that was our, our last award, and, and we've all talked through that now. So uh, thank you for joining us on Drink to the Past. We're live here every Friday night if you want to come check us out. we got a different game stream every night, and, uh, yeah, it's uh, good times. This is, this is actually, unless Sean wants to do more podcasts, this is actually probably our last podcast of the year. Yeah, uh, I might do something uh, next week, or I might do a stream of Undertale or something, or, or the week after, I don't know. So, yeah, I might uh, get back to my Undertale playthrough. So, I'll let you guys know. Follow me on Twitter, at SpamOmanospam, for uh, updates on that. And before we sign off of our last podcast of the year, I gotta see one more time if I can beat Garland. So, you ready for this? I am I am ready. Alright, he's gonna knock me all down. Alright. No touches one my touches princess. my princess. That's, that sounds like a weird innuendo, doesn't it? Yeah, light really warriors? Weird. We're light warriors. We're 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 like few on calories because it's all I, white mages. I, what's yeah. with the punctuation here? Yeah, double marks. Yeah, double exclamations, double question marks. Uh, one yeah. period. Yeah. Hmm. I guess it's better than having one period a month. <laughs> was was that was that a that, was that too far? One period a sentence. Uh, I think I think most girls would disagree with you. Mm -hmm. They'd rather have one a month than one a sentence. <laughs> right. Uh, what was it? Let's see. Yeah, I mean, did you ever watch the Yu-Gi-Oh! anime and try and make your own uh, card game without understanding any of the rules of the Yu-Gi-Oh! card game because you only watched the anime? I was oddly, kid? like, the one kid in my group that, like, owned a rule book for the Yu-Gi-Oh! card game, the officially published Yu-Gi-Oh! card game, and so... Like, all my friends were trying to just go off the rules of the show, and I was like, no, that's not how the game works. You have to sacrifice monsters so that you can f summon the big giant, you know, because they're just, like, trying to summon any old monster like Yugi does, where he's just like, turn one, I fucking throw a dark magician at your ass. It's like, no, that's not how it works. You have to build up. And I mean, they're like... like what if you follow the rules and we do the show rules? And I'm like, no, that gives you an objective advantage, you dick. <laughs> Why would I agree to that? <laughs> See, when I was a kid, when I was 10, I did not have the Yu-Gi-Oh! rulebook. But I also was like, I didn't have Yu-Gi-Oh! cards. So I just made my own cards mm -hmm. and my own rules up. And the only rules I was familiar with was the Pokemon rules, so it played a lot like that. Huh. That would work. You getting all your prize cards and shit? Yeah, I was like, alright, I'm just gonna make these monster cards and, like, spell cards and trap cards and stuff. But mm -hmm. I was like... And also, it's in a 5x5 five five grid, because that makes sense, right? Of course. You could just put them face down or play them face up or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. All right. I think I'm doing pretty good here. Well, nobody's dead yet. Yeah, that helps. Phil, Phil looking hoss. Mm-hmm. There's 57 hit points, like a fucking tank of a white mage. Oh, yeah. yeah. Ooh, 28 damage. Oh, God. Shit. Todd, don't die. Yeah, please. Uh, that would be awkward. All right, so you're going to get cured. Can I do a lot of... Can I beat Garland with four white mages? Miss. I, I would say we're having a lot of dead air for the audio version, but really, they're probably watching it on YouTube. Right, yeah. Because we don't... I'm not sure that we have an audio version this time. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, hopefully we do, because we usually get more audio downloads on Podbean than we get viewers on YouTube every week. Yeah. So, hopefully, but uh, we'll see. All right. Keep pops up. HP up. Well, you might, you might want to rip the audio out of this stream here after it's finished. Yeah, I'll see if I can get that, or because I, I assume it, my recorder fucked up here. And and if you can't do that, I can do that. Okay. So. Yeah. Ten damage. That's not bad. I bet I could go a whole round. I'm just gonna attack everybody. Alright, come on, let's fuck them up, guys. Boom. Boom. Five damage. Todd, you can do it, Todd. Thirteen damage. Todd. Yes, hell yes. That's a good hit for a white mage. Ooh, twenty-one. But that's okay, because I... All my guys are pretty high up there, so I'll heal up Carl this turn, and then I'll be okay, right? Thirty damage! Critical hit! Fuck yes, Pops! Yeah. Terminated! Yeah. I fucking four white maged Garland. I am a fucking beast. Monsters right. perished. Uh, Hell yes. Now you got it. You're past the tutorial now. <laughs> right, yeah. All right. Now here, princess lady, get, get the fuck out of my way, bat. So you are the light warriors. Well, she only has one exclamation point. Thank you. Yeah. And then I we teleport back that. to the castle so I don't have to walk all the way back. All right, King Steve, We're how you doing? Thank you for saving the princess. Uh, I ordered a bridge. He doesn't even have the decency to offer you a stoop. <laughs> what a douche. <laughs> it's a snow cone, but it's a shape of a stoop. Yeah. How do you eat it? <laughs> you start on the anti most bottom side. Yeah. It's this. Let's see. Do I just go sides. up here and they build the bridge now? Oh, yeah, the bridge is there. Yeah. And then I get the little cutscene after I go up there. Monsters, strike first. Fuck you, monsters. Not before you beat up these goblins. Yeah, stupid imps. They were imps in the original. They, I think they were goblins in the uh, remake. remake for PSP. And uh, It is funny. I realized after the fact that I bought that same remake like several times because they re-released the same remake on Game Boy Advance and PSP and PlayStation 1. And the PlayStation 1 and the Game Boy Advance, I think, came with Final Fantasy 1 and 2. And then I actually bought separately Final Fantasy 1 and 2 for PSP because yeah. they were they were separated. And after the fact, I was just like, dude, why did I do that? I had this on Game Boy Advance. What a dumbass. My PSP's battery uh, puffed up like a pillow. So wow. I cannot use it anymore. 
I just took mine out the other day, right? Well, I guess it was several months ago now, because I took it out right before. Uh, so the journey begins. Tell the music. Well, wait the far, they do not know. He's holding an orb. Two thousand years ago, shine beauty from within, but now only darkness. Why two thousand years specifically? Come. <laughs> Double explanation. Come. Damn it, Chris. Return the beast to our world. Programmed by Nasir. And this narration's getting really weird. Yeah. <laughs> we apologize to you, audio guests. Y y you can probably check out now. We're going to say some weird bullshit and cut it off like we always do, but uh, you can you can yeah. check it out. Yoshitaka Amano. Yeah. Scenario. Scenario. Kenji Terada. It's funny here. It's uh, yeah. It's funny here. It's you'll notice on this version it says TM and copyright 1990 Nintendo. Uh, this was actually published by Nintendo of America in uh, the U.S. It uh, was not published by Square. So interesting little factoid there. And it came in 1992. Uh, American systems, I believe, is what because it said copyright 1990. So I believe that was when it came out. So, yeah. Fun little random fact there. I'm getting beat up on my way back to town. Shit. My dog's all barking outside, too. Did I just hit the right guy? I don't know if nah. it worked. Okay. Dog's got reason to kill the outside. Yep. I don't know. I think my dog's on crack. She just walks outside sometimes and just starts barking at shit like, Fuck you, air! How do you like having a dog? Eh. I don't know. I'm just not a dog person, I guess. Like, I I, I tolerate their existence fine. I, like, I like them, but I'm just, like... I, I'm not the kind okay. of person that really gets a kick out of, like, bonding with a dog or anything. I'm just, like... I like animals to be outside of my house. <laughs> Fair enough. So. But it's fine. The kids like playing with her and shit, so it's, like... Teach some responsibility and stuff. Alright, and now I will never get this cheap of a in ever again. There was Only 30 cheap. Yeah, pretty sweet. Alright, and that's saved my game, so I can stop there officially. Uh, I've been playing this whole time on NES Classic, which is pretty cool. I remember uh, when I got this thing, everybody was so jealous, because this was before... Like, I got this, like, two days before they announced that they were discontinuing it, and since then, they, like, restocked and made a bunch more and stuff like that, because everybody was so pissed about it. You remember that whole debacle? I, I do remember that whole debacle. I was there for that whole debacle. Yeah. So... Not not particularly a good debacle, but um, yeah. So uh, I'm happy to have an original run uh, NES classic. Um, this, it's pretty cool too because you know it hooks up and just easy plug and play for you know basically all of the good NES games. 
I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of hidden gems in there that I that I missed, but it's you know you're getting your Castlevania and Final Fantasy, obviously the original Zelda and and Zelda. If you're into self harm, but <laughs> oh, you never nearly started this podcast on the Zelda two title screen. We did, <laughs> yeah, because it and was just in the idling animation at the start. <laughs> Because it was going to feel like a spiritual victory of some kind for the man who hates Zelda 2 to the, you know, me, the co-host, who actually likes Zelda 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But the most important thing, is Mother Zero on here? Mother um, 1? It has Earthbound, I think. Earthbound was SNES. It, Earthbound was, yeah, so the Super Nintendo Classic has Earthbound. This one doesn't have any mother oh yeah Mario Bros Mega Man 2 Metroid and Ninja Gaiden those are the M games except for until it runs out of M's and then it's just Ninja Gaiden would it be under Earthbound Zero there's nothing in E's except for Excite Bike so apparently not who gives a fuck about Excite Bike dude I fucking loved Excite Bike back in the day I haven't replayed it on here. Maybe, maybe I'll, I'll I'll go ahead and replay that on here. Hold on, where's my where's my flashback? Just put my. Hold on, we're gonna we're gonna play Excite Bike now suddenly, because because Chris said. <laughs> so where's Excite Bike? Let me find it. I haven't played this game in so long. Oh, this is gonna be so crappy with the input lag. <laughs> where is it? 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 There it is. Yeah, it's, it saves every time you go to the inn in the original Final Fantasy. Ah, okay. Selection. Selection A. Track uh, three? All right, ready? All right. Yeah, I used to dig, like, making... Because there's, a like, a course editor in this and stuff. Wheelie! What the hell is wrong with this bike? Oh, boy! Ugh. It's having a seizure. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> huh. Of course, I'm missing all the boost pads, too. Whoop. All right, I'm a badass. Woo! Yeah. Blah. This is what you came for here, this exciting Sean sucks at excite bike gameplay. To be fair, it's not hard to suck at excite bike with a second of input lag. Yeah. How is this guy not dead? The fucking badass man. But yeah, this thing has like a, a course editor and stuff. And uh I used to love building like custom courses when I was a kid. This game is awesome. Wee. I feel like I just ran over that boost pad and it didn't give me a boost. It did not. You are correct. I did not see that give you a boost. Yeah, bastard. Alright, well thanks for joining us. As always, you can catch me on Two Gays Playing Zelda.com and TGPZ Gaming. Uh, so if you check out TGPZ Gaming tomorrow, I should have my uh, review of Age of Calamity up. So finally, it's uh, coming you, together. Oh, you, you, mean, you mean two guys playing Zelda? Yeah. 
tgpzgaming.com uh, is the new TGPZ gaming website. Uh, it's it's like two guys playing Zelda, but kind of not focused on Zelda. It's kind of a more general gaming website. Oh, yeah, sweet. I got ranked number 16, apparently. That probably sucks. <laughs> I bet I, it's I'm, I'm like not, 16 out of 12. I'm not going to point out what I heard you say, because I don't want to repeat it. What did I say? Did I say something hilarious? I must know now. No. I said something so awkward that Chris won't even repeat it. Not even for sake of saying something awkward to cut off the podcast? Well, you know, I don't want to be accused of various phobics or uh, isms. Okay. Now I'm really curious what I said. (laughs) Did I say something that bad? I don't think I don't think it was that bad, but I, I don't want to repeat it either. Okay. <laughs> I've got the wrong beer of the week up because I was gonna drink this um uh, chocolate soy milk sauce. stout. Yeah, soy sauce. The fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> you just drink soy sauce for fun? But yeah, this uh, Lugine milk stout um, is from Odell Brewing Company. I was gonna drink that one. But instead, I drank the Rodé for days. I was So I was intending, because this is our last podcast of the year, to drink all the rest of the beer in my fridge because I'm trying to drink as many different styles of beer as I could. But then I realized I only had one beer style in my fridge that I haven't actually tried, which which was this Rosé for days. So I've, I've actually been sitting on that one for a while, and I kept picking other things because I, I think I got this beer like back in summer sometime and it's been sitting in my fridge for a while just kind of sitting in the back and i keep thinking about it and like picking an ipa or something instead for the podcast so yeah uh my brain not think so goody anymore all right well should we cut it off without saying anything awkward or do you want to say something awkward uh happy Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy New Year. What the hell is Kwanzaa? 